0: We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for May 2nd, 2010. This is part one of our current events and weekly Bible study. And uh, just to give you a quick rundown of the table of contents for today, we'll be going over a few Bible verses from Psalm 37 to kick things off, and then looking at a uh, teaching sermon that Pastor John Weaver did, uh, and... uh, a little recommendation there, and then we're going to get into the Gulf Oil uh, Rig Fiasco. Okay, and we're going to be looking at that more in depth today. That information is kind of ongoing, but we're going to we're going to look at that nonetheless. Then we're going to be looking at the new report: how the Vatican is tied to the Mount Graham Observatory, and how they've just launched the Lucifer—that's what it's actually named, Lucifer Telescope. Um. Then we're going to be looking at how J.P. Morgan Chase and Goldman Sachs is actually linked to the vaccine contamination and big pharma corruption and how that's all linked into depopulation. Uh, next article will be... Uh, we're going to be looking at how science are continuing to tamper with humanity regarding the whole um, cloning issue. And then we'll be looking at uh, how Christians are doubting... Uh, how their doubt in the Bible is much behind the actual cultural decay, um, pretty much worldwide, and how the modern day translations figure into that. And then we'll be looking at a few different things at the very end regarding just some tips on um, on uh, survival. On um, we're going to be there's some books that that we can actually look at there regarding uh, like home gardening and. Um, planning for, you know, the worst type of scenarios. And we'll be looking at also a couple different other survival tips and uh, one on a interesting one-ounce silver round that I've just seen recently called the Stagecoach Silver Round. Uh, one-ounce silver round. is kind of interesting. So anyway, let's go ahead and we'll get started into the teachings for today. And uh, just to kick things off, I'm just going to read Psalm 37, 1-9. through nine where it says, because more and more what I'm seeing in ministries like uh, Steve Quayle and some other ministries, I'm seeing more people kind of catching on, not to say they weren't caught on before, but they're more catching on to the thing about the imprecatory prayers in Psalms. And as wicked and as dark as things are getting, the wisdom of these imprecatory prayers. And, um, what I've done, too, is I've supplied the link to the teaching that I've done on this. Uh, in the, uh, I'll be sending this out via email, and I'll also be um, putting it out in, um, in PDF format connected with the teaching up on contendingfortruth.com on the teaching audio section. It'll be the newest teaching posted. And uh, it's, the teaching I've done is called A Precatory Prayers, God's Judgment on Wickedness. And you can find that up on YouTube. And in fact, that's the link I supply. Until, until our site gets properly archived with the old teachings, um, I'm going to be re- doing a lot of referral to other sites that already have the teachings up. And then hopefully one day when we get that done, um, <clears throat> I'll be able to refer everybody back to Contending for Truth and it will all be in one spot. Psalm 37, 1-9 through nine says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers. And that's something, again, that's pretty easy to do nowadays. You look around and you see wickedness. You see wickedness continually. And it's very easy to fret yourself because of that, those situations. Uh, but the Bible says to fret not thyself because of evildoers. And... And then we have 1 John 4, 18. There, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Now, the fear they're in reference to here is not the fear of God, it's the fear of man. The Bible says that the fear of man bringeth a snare. But it says perfect love casteth out fear. Well, Jesus Christ is perfect love. Okay? And so, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Hebrews thirteen six says, So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So again, I've said this before, but I mean, worst case scenario, if you are allowed to be martyred, okay, I'm talking from a physical, temporal standpoint, worst case scenario, to re- the reality is, is martyrdom is like the highest honor uh, that a Christian could actually attain. Greater love then no man hath in this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. And so, if you lay down your life for Jesus Christ, you, you know there's not much greater love you could ever express. I think is the point we're trying to make here. <clears throat> but it says, "I will not fear what man shall do unto me." Then the Bible also talks about not fearing evil tidings. In these types of things, Second Timothy one seven says, "For God hath not given us the spirit of fear." So understand that if you're walking around in fear about this or that, and this, God's not given that to you. God's not given you that spirit. <clears throat> the devil gives that, but God doesn't. And I understand that's easier said than done in today's day and age. But this is why, when you're feeling that way, if you meditate, <clears throat> when you memorize scripture, you know, praying, but meditating on God's word in particular. The Bible talks about the washing of the water of the word. And how the word actually it's like it cleanses you and washes you. The word also sanctifies you. It means to be made holy and set apart. So, um, putting on the mind of Christ. And then the full armor of God. There are a lot of different things that, that can be done regarding this. And um, a lot of times this is actually demonic. When when you're feeling yeah. this way and you're walking around in abject fear and this and that or or wringing your hands about this or that issue, it's a demonic thing. And there are certain things you can do to deal with this from a scriptural standpoint. And I'm not going to get into that very much today, but uh, there is a Word document that I put together on dealing with evil entities. And you can email me, uh, and I will send that to you. Um, and it's... Uh, actually, I probably... Anyway, I, I'm, I was trying to figure out how to get that actually online. But if you email me at drjohnson, D-R-J-O-H-N-S-O-N, at the letter I, the letter X, dot net com, N-E-T-C-O-M dot com, I'll email that to you. And uh, <clears throat> you, can, you can look at that. We'll give you some points there. So anyway, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be envious against the workers of iniquity. So we're not supposed to envy these workers. Workers of iniquity or evildoers. Because then it gets into covetousness. And envy is a very... uh, It can be a very, very satanic thing. If you think about it, envy was really partly the root of the first sin ever committed, ever, by Lucifer, when Lucifer fell. It it says in the Bible, in Ezekiel, because of his merchandise and because of his beauty, he was lifted up. But the main thing that that he wanted was he wanted to be like the Most High. He said, I will ascend unto the sides of the north. I will be like the Most High. That was when he was called Lucifer. The anointed anointed cherub that covereth is how he was referred to in the Bible. This is before he fell, and then he became Satan once he fell. But envy was the root of a lot of that. Jealousy, envy. So we've got to really be on guard against that. Because I mean, if it got Lucifer, and here he was, essentially uh covering the throne of God, the anointed cherub that covereth, if he could fall, take heed lest, you know, don't think of yourself more highly than, than ye ought to, because if Lucifer could fall, you know, we gotta be on guard against that. And one of the main things that can cause that is envy and jealousy. <clears throat> Next verse, for they shall soon be cut down like grass. This is talking about the workers of iniquity and evildoers. And they will wither as a green earth. I mean, if you think about it, even if the wicked prospers in his wickedness in this lifetime, even if he gets away with murder, and I mean that literally, the reality is he has this tiny little sliver of time on this earth, and all he has really to look forward to is hell and the lake of fire. So he had it, you know, so he had it for his way for a time, but the reality is, is, is the way it's going to turn out for him, you know, is not, is, is horrific. And then the next verse, trust in the Lord and do good. So shall thou dwell in the land and verily thou shall be fed. Trusting implies faith. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. Really the reality is, is salvation And almost all the things you see regarding in the Bible about enduring to the end and, and, you know, being a good soldier and these things, it really boils down to faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11, 1, I believe. And um, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, how do we get faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing. By the word of God. So make sure you're reading the right Bible, the King James Bible. If you want to build your faith, you know, listen to it, quote it, memorize it, read it, okay? These are faith-building things. So anyway, um, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thine ways acknowledge him. And he will direct thy path. So one of the things you also want to do is when you have a victory or, and, when, and when, you're, when you're on the right track, you want to constantly be acknowledging God. Because the Bible says, if you do that, he will direct your paths. Now, if you don't do that, and you start getting like a big head, like, hey, well, I'm pretty smart, I got this all figured out. Well, then, he's not going to direct your paths anymore. Um, <clears throat> There's also another verse verse that says, Commit thy uh, works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. So if you commit your works unto the Lord, the Bible says your thoughts will be established. So if you're having a problem with your thought life, that's something to think about. That's another thing to think about regarding that subject. And then it goes on to say, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the, the desires of thine heart. Now remember, if the desires of your heart are wicked, he's not going to honor those, okay? Um, but if it's in accordance with his will, okay. Uh, Jesus said you ask and you have not, and, and you have not because you ask amiss. Because you want to consume it upon your own lusts. So, you got to understand that if your heart is, and I understand the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. But, the Holy Spirit living inside a born-again Christian can also keep that in check as well. And if you're in the Word and you're praying and you're memorizing Scripture and you're, you're, you're fellowshipping one with another and, and you're doing things that are biblical, chances are your heart is going to line up more and more and more with the Word of God. Your heart doesn't always have to be the thing that deceives you. It, it, it shouldn't be that way, actually. But for the average unsaved person, it's going to pretty much be the reality that they're going to be dealing with. Um, so anyway, let's go further. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Okay, so again, committing, trusting, is implying faith, that he can do it. If you say, well, I trust in the Lord, and you have no faith, he knows that, he can see right through us. So remember, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Then it goes on to say, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. So when you do these things, when you commit your way unto the Lord, when you trust in Him, He'll bring things to past. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. And then it says, He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light. It's like you're going to be like a shining light to others. Which the Bible does make mention of that even in you know, the New Testament. Let your light so shine before men that all men will see your good works and these types of things. <clears throat> Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way. Because of the men who bring wicked devices to pass. Again, it's kind of reiterating what we've already said there. Many times the Bible will reiterate various passages, even within the same portion of scripture, to kind of drive that point home even more. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Now that's a tough one in today's day and age. <clears throat> cease from anger. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. The Bible doesn't say, you know, never get angry, that'd be impossible. Okay? Uh, anger is an attribute of God, but the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. So we've got to kind of step aside and let God to be the one that needs that, that needs to have vengeance on a particular situation. And I think that's what we're more in reference to, forsaking wrath. Let's let leave that to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and then it, gets, it says, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. So, waiting upon the Lord, in, again, implies patience, also implies faith, again, because in order to wait on the Lord, you have to have faith to wait on the Lord. Okay, so again, a lot of so many of the biblical tenets that we look at really do boil down to faith. So anyway, and then I gave you the link to my teaching I did on the imprecatory prayers and then I'm just a quick recommendation here for this uh, teaching by Pastor John Weaver it's called The Death of Sam Davis Sam Davis was a private, one of what they call Coleman Scouts in the Confederate Union War he was captured, tortured and murdered by Union forces in 1863 he was the first Confederate Medal of Honor recipient the story of this young man's faith and integrity will move and inspire you well I was bawling I mean, by the end of it, I was like, oh man, I can't wait to see <laughs> Sam Davis in heaven. But anyway, yeah, I, I recommend I, I love Pastor uh, Weaver's style of preaching, and uh, uh, I just love him. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's a great... Uh, Teaching and, uh, it, and it's talking about greater love, no man happiness than a man would lay down his life for his friends. So we're talking about the greatest type of love that you could possibly show, and it's exemplified in this man's life and the way he died. Okay, so um, and what I'm going to try to do from now on is do a little bit of the Bible verses like this at the start, because. You know, we can get all wrapped up in the current events and everything and totally get our eyes off Jesus Christ. And um, I think we need to always be grounded and rooted in the Word of God, and then we can look at other things from a... Um, we, we have. It's like we're getting ourselves a perspective before we start looking at the current events. And I kind of apologize. I should have been doing that a long time ago, really. Um, but I just, I don't know. The Lord, a lot of times in your Christian walk will kind of take you through progressions and stages and things like that. And, and and it's like you end up fine-tuning things, and you end up getting kind of better about certain things. He's showing you a little bit more and more how to do things better and better and better. And it's a progression. It's not like everything just gets put in your lap, and you know exactly how to do something. Um, I was listening to some of my teachings the other day from, from way back, and I was pretty... I, I know that I can be caustic, but um, I was... I was like, I, I remember I got more um, hate mail, I think, back then. And, you know, really, to be honest with you, I was listening to myself and some of these teachings, and I can understand why I was getting some of those emails. I don't get a lot of the same types of emails I used to get um, from, from people in... Uh, I was really righteous and indignant, but it was coming off kind of wrong. And I'm sure that tendency, I still can have that tendency now. But um, anyway, you you get, you know, the Lord just, you know, the longer you do something, typically the more the Lord will show you if you're in His will. And uh, so we always have room for improvement, every one of us. Nobody has it all figured out on every level. You know, we don't want to go around thinking that because if we do, we've really gotten wrapped up in pride. And we always have to be teachable. We need to humble ourselves as little children before God. Jesus Christ said, unless you humble yourself as a little child, you not see the kingdom of God, these types of things. And we really need to, I don't care if you've been saved for 50 years, you still need to humble yourself as a little child before God. And, and look at Solomon, the, the richest, uh, wisest man on the planet at the time, probably the richest man that's ever lived, and when he prayed, his prayer pleased God. Now I'm not talking about the, it, what happened to him later, when you know his thousand concubines and wives took his heart away, and he got into all the idolatry and stuff. And I'm talking about near the beginning. And it says that his prayer pleased God, and and he asked for the wisdom to guide this per the, the people of Israel. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for material things. He just asked for the the wisdom. And then he said, the reason is is because I am as but a little child. I not. I know not whether to come in or go out. Now here is the wisest, richest man on the planet who, who if anybody had a claim to be cocky, <laughs> he did, you know, or prideful or, or whatever you want to call it. And yet, he prayed that way and it pleased God. And that was really when God really blessed him. You know, so think about those things. Uh, the Bible says there are many that... Um, Are first that will be last in heaven, and that there are many that were last on earth that will be first in heaven. And I believe that's in regard to humility. I mean, if somebody voluntarily humbled themselves and put themselves last, I mean, are you always striving to be at the front of the line? Are you? Do you try to seek to actually be at the end of the line? I mean. To be the last one, to be the one that's last served. I mean, there, there is some things to think about with that. I don't hear a lot of that discussed a lot of times in um, modern day preaching. I'm not saying everybody's, but I'm saying kind of like the modern day 501c3 corporate preaching. It's not a real popular thing. I mean, it's more popular to kind of please the, the flesh and, and, and kind of self-centered type of stuff. That they might want to get into. But anyway, let's go further. Um, First article here is entitled The Gulf Oil Rig Fiasco. And it's from May 1st. It says, on Friday, radio talk show host, former Reagan cabinet advisor Mark Levin, accused the Obama, and I'm not endorsing Mark Levin. Okay, I'm just saying this is what he accused. He accused the Obama administration of a plot to nationalize the oil industry. I think those SWAT teams are there in coordination with the Attorney General's office, the Interior Department, Homeland Security, maybe even the EPA, to seize records at these sites and to lay the foundation for more government takeover, said Levin. Now, a lot of people aren't aware that they actually, Obama, well, here, I'll just read this, Obama said on Thursday he was dispatching SWAT teams to inspect the oil rigs in the Gulf. A response that struck many observers as odd. Why would you send a SWAT team to inspect oil rigs in the Gulf? SWAT teams? I mean, wh- what are you going to be dealing with when you get there? I mean, SWAT teams are called in when you have like hostage situations and, you know, those types of things. And what in the world would they know about inspecting oil rigs? This goes on to say this is a public relations stunt designed to make Americans think the federal government was responding to the disaster. But in fact, the government has no intention of doing anything significant. Obama's response is purely cosmetic and for public consumption. As soon as this happened, I felt that this whole thing was contrived, was planned, was bogus, you name it. I mean, this thing basically sunk into the Gulf. I mean, it was envelop- I, I've never even seen anything like this. And now there's, I believe, three different oil spills, three different leaks, and they're saying they don't know when they're going to be capped. And it's pouring thousands and thousands and thousands of barrels at this point of oil into the water. Remember, Oro. Ab cow, the 33rd degree motto, order out of chaos. Meaning they will take a chaotic event that they created and they're going to try to bring their order, and in this case the New World Order, they're inching toward the New World Order with all of these different you know, disasters. Now I'm going to prove what I'm, say, I'm, I'm going to say here in a second because you may be saying, oh, well you don't have any proof. Well, I've been privy to some information even in the last 24 hours that you may not be aware of. Okay, so let's go further. Uh, Levin and many Republicans think Obama is a Marxist. Well, he is, among other things. And wants a Soviet-like centralized economy. However, Obama is, however, not surrounded by textbook Marxists who won a revolution in the name of, of the proles. He is surrounded by bankers and monopoly men. The Obama administration is a creature of the CFR, the Trilateral Commission, the Federal Reserve, and the Wall Street banks. <clears throat> Oil rigs are being attacked... In order to shut down oil production, not nationalize it. The name of the game is artificial scarcity designed to further cripple the economy. Now, this was the very same thought that was in my head almost the instant that I saw this, that this news story broke, okay, on uh, CNN or TV or, or those types of news outlets. That the oil, that this was by design. Okay, because it's very easy to see what they would be trying to do. Create scarcity designed to further cripple the economy. Okay, And if we say, oh, we, we've got to suspend all offshore oil drilling in America, now we're just that much more dependent on supposedly Arab oil. Lindsey Williams has proven time and time again that we've got more oil, we've got the biggest oil fields on the planet up in northern Alaska. And if you want to Know more about that, just go up to the internet and key in Lindsey Williams. Uh, he's a pastor, and uh, you will. Uh, I'm trying to see if I've got. I'll give you a spelling later, an actual spelling. But anyway, he's done several. He's, he wrote a book on this. He was like the chaplain for um, uh, one of the major, major oil producers up in, up in Alaska for a number of years. And he was actually able to sit in on board meetings and hear what the highest level board meeting guys were saying. And they've essentially capped these wells up in Alaska that would produce more oil than any other oil field on the planet. And they've just capped them. Because they don't want the oil. They want to create artificial scarcity. They want to say, we're dependent on... So that way they can drive the price of oil. It's one more way to destroy the middle class of America... Which is what? They want to have a slave class and they want to have an elite class. They don't like middle class. okay? That They're trying to destroy that. Middle class are very hard to control. Whereas a slave class, if you're totally dependent on the government, they're very easy to control. So please understand that this is all part of that. And you know, they've been feigning the gas prices are going to be, keep going up anyway. Now, regarding this, this would be the perfect excuse for that to happen. Now, let's look at some further proof right now. And I'm sure there's going to be more information that comes out on this. But I think it's good that we need to expose this type of, of evil. Because you're not going to get this on, you know, the nightly news or the 6 o'clock news. It's not going to happen. Okay, um, also, just so you know, and you probably do know this by now, the surface area of the oil spill has actually tripled, uh, I believe in the, even in the last day. Yeah. So, the oil spill seems to be getting worse. And yet, you know, to me, the biggest thing I would think they would be trying to do is capping these... Oil spills, and they you know they got this excuse and they got that excuse, and, and I'm thinking whatever because you've got literally the resources of the whole world at your disposal, and you're telling me that they couldn't find some way to at least reduce the the oil that's pouring into the ocean at all. They 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 have no recourse; they're just impotent to do anything. Come on, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That they couldn't have done anything at this point. Okay? And I don't mean just putting up those barriers that they're putting up in the ocean. All that is is a band-aid. You have to go to the source and deal with the source. To me, the source is the main thing, and that is the oil pouring out right now from the bottom of the ocean. That's that's the main thing you have to key on. You know, it's like the Bible talks about going after the root, you know. You gotta go after the root for the actual problem to be fixed. Well, that's the root of the problem. Now listen to this, to to kind of bolster what I just said, listen to this. This is an article I just got last night, and is entitled, BP, I believe it stands for British Petroleum, fought safety measures at deep water oil rigs. The owner of the Louisiana oil well objected to the system that would have shut off the spill. The company that owned the Louisiana oil rig that exploded last week spent years battling federal regulators over how many layers of safeguards would be needed to prevent a deep water well from this type of accident. One area of immediate concern, industry experts said, was the lack of remote systems that would have allowed workers to clamp shut Deepwater Horizon's wellhead so that it would not continue to gush oil. The rig is now spilling uh, 210,000 gallons of oil a day in the Gulf of Mexico. In a letter sent last year to the Department of Interior, BP objected to what it called extensive prescriptive regulations proposed in new rules to toughen safety measures. See, they're not making enough money. They want to make sure that they make tons and tons of money and have the the minimal amount of things in place. Because, hey, that costs them money. Well, isn't it weird, this very same oil rig that they've fought and fought and fought to prevent multi-layer safeguards on, is the very oil rig that now is pouring 210,000 gallons a day into the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, if it had those things in place, this wouldn't have even been that much of an issue. Because if they could have got the oil rig clamped down the same day of the accident, or as it was happening, you know, it's going to spill some oil, but it's not going to be that big of a deal. But now we have days and days, and who knows, it'll probably turn into weeks... Of this happening. It's all by design. Don't believe any any big story like this on the news. Don't believe the uh, whatever you're being told. By the mass media news. I, I'm telling you. I, I had a bad feeling about this from the very moment I saw it. Now here's another thing. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now Halliburton. Which was one of the main um, companies that. Dick Cheney had a huge part in, uh, and I believe still do, does to a certain extent. Had a lot to do with uh, Middle Eastern oil, a lot of corruption and an evil surrounding Halliburton, and it's been that way for years. Okay, well, there's a Halliburton connection to this oil spill. Investigators delving into the possible cause of the massive. Gulf oil spill, are focusing on the role of Houston-based Halliburton Company, the giant energy services company, which was responsible, get this, they were responsible for cementing the drill into place below the water. The company acknowledged Friday that it had completed the final cementing of the oil well in pipe just 20 hours before the blowout of last week. If that's not a smoking gun, I don't know what is. Let me read that to you again. The company Halliburton acknowledged Friday that it had completed the final cementing of the oil well in pipe just 20 hours before the blowout of last week. Oh, and I'm sure they have nothing to do with it. So you've got an ore rig where there's virtually no... um, safeguards underwater to shut this thing off in the event that this type of scenario happens. And then you have Halliburton just 20 hours before the blowout. They had completed the final cementing of the oil well. Halliburton, one of the most corrupt, wicked companies on the planet. And then all of a sudden we have this gigantic oil rig blowout. I mean, it's so flagrant already at this point. Like with 9-11, it took a while for them to compile all the evidence. Okay, now the absolute evidence on 9-11 is so overwhelming. I mean, it's it's almost, you know, unbelievable. Now we're already having these big, gigantic smoking guns come out already regarding this. And I'm sure it's only going to get worse as far as the information. In a letter to Halliburton, Chief Executive David J. Lesser on Friday, Representative Henry A. Waxman, Chairman of the House Committee, on Energy and Commerce, and Representative Bart Stupak, Chairman of the Subcommittee on Oversight and Investigations, called on Halliburton officials to provide all documents relating to the possibility or risk of an explosion or blowout at the Deepwater Horizon rig and the status, adequacy, quality monitoring, and inspection of the cementing work by May 7th. So by May 7th, they want to... You know what? They can sit there all day long and act like, oh, we're horrified. What did you do? You're going to be held responsible. Oh, please. Uh, Probably nothing will even happen to them in the long run. But they have to put on a good show. You know, they have to act like they're, the government, the high government has to act like, you know, they really are going to get to the bottom of this. Now, again, these are things we should be praying about as well. Not to to sit here again and wring our hands and be in fear of this situation or whatever. These are things we should be praying about. You know, that the truth w- would come out. That these, I mean, all the, the innocent um, sea life that is going to be destroyed over this. Um, you know, it's it's horrific. All the people's livelihoods that are going to be affected. All the fishermen. And all the economic uh, damage that's going to happen. I mean, it, it's it's going to be really, really bad. I know where I'm at in southwest Florida. We're going to get it. We're going to get this. Well, it's like sooner or later. It just depends on the way the winds blow. It's just really a matter of time. They're already saying how the shrimpers around here are already pretty much shutting down, or um, are, are in that process, because they know what's coming. <clears throat> and then another thing, a second oil rig has overturned on the Gulf Coast, but it's not being widely reported. The Wall Street Journal's Market Watch reports, quote, The U.S. Coast Guard said Friday it is responding to a second oil rig accident, a mobile inland drilling unit, that's what they called it, specifically, with a 20,000-gallon diesel fuel capacity overturned in the Cheriton Navigational Channel south of U.S. Highway 90 near Morgan City, Louisiana. No fuel leak or injuries have been reported, but 500 feet of containment boom has been deployed around the rig, the Coast Guard said. So it seems like, you know, all the stuff is happening here, and it's all happening at once. On Friday, Obama proposed that no new offshore offshore oil drilling leases will be issued unless rigs have new safeguards to prevent a repeat of the explosion that unleashed the massive spill threatening the Gulf Coast, according to Associated Press. So this is going to be an excuse for them to, to most likely shut down any offshore oil drilling. And who knows, they might impose it for all of America. Thus, driving up gas prices more that's driving up our dependency on Arab oil more, even though we have all we could use. Not only that, but I've mentioned this in times past, all of the technology that they have suppressed regarding free energy technology and the various ways and inventions and people that have been assassinated for coming up with things like the guy that invented the car that ran on water and he was assassinated. And I mean, just go up Water Car Inventor on YouTube. And you'll see. I mean, they've done news reports, but these guys always usually turn up dead, or they're bought off. Why? Because they're a gigantic threat. See, freedom would be you being in a situation. I'm talking about from a physical standpoint. You being in a situation where you were generating your own power. You had a you had um, a power source that could produce inexhaustible energy. Then you wouldn't have to rely on the power company. They don't want that they want you to rely totally on them on the government, on the world system for everything and the much the more you can get away from that system and get off the grid and be you know self sufficient through the Lord, the better and again, i'm going to go over some things at the end of this teaching where where you can uh, get into some things that you can do proactively, and I try to throw this stuff in. From time to time, in the teachings, and uh, so that you have some resources that you can fall back on. There, uh, so he's promising that no new offshore oil drilling leases will be issued, and then a number of structures. The number of structures in the Gulf of these oil drilling uh, oil drilling rigs is roughly four thousand, with eight hundred nineteen manned platforms. How long do you think it will take? A bloated, bureaucratic federal government to install all these safeguards. So in other words, they could literally shut all these other rigs down, you know, as an excuse, until they could, and I mean, let's face it, a lot of these oil rigs, you would have to go all the way down to the wellhead, 5,000 feet, because I believe that the oil rig that's leaking right now is over 5,000 feet, or like a mile, down. How long do you think it might take to do something like that on 819 man platforms? And I'm not saying that I don't all have them installed. But you can see how this could turn into a gigantic, huge, um, who knows how many years to do this. As Lindsay Williams, and this is the guy that I told you about, the pastor. And his name is spelled L-I-N-D-S-E-Y Williams. Lindsay Williams has... Many times noted, the global elite are manipulating oil in order to create a worldwide economic depression. He says, quote, America will see a financial collapse so great that it will take years to come out of it. Well, I think that what's going to be proposed as far as coming out of it is going to be the New World Order. New currency, you know, new everything. One world, political system, one world, religious system, one world economic system, that's going to be the solution. Uh, this is like the beginning of sorrows we're, we're into right now, where Jesus refers to. And the economic side of it is one part of that. There's going to be a natural disaster side. There's going to be an incredible deceptive side. Um, the, the Antichrist and the, and the, uh, <clears throat> the false prophet are, come up, are going to come with all lying signs and wonders and deceive all those that dwell upon the earth. This is why you better get educated now Because if you're um, not exposed to any of this information prior to it happening, there's a very good chance you're going to be deceived when all of this starts to go down. Because this is going to be the first time you've ever heard of it. Because you're not getting this in the corporate churches of America or wherever you might be. Most likely you're not getting it. They don't like to talk about these things. It might hurt their giving. Their donations that are coming in and, and these types of things. And there's also, they got to be very careful, particularly in America, if they have a 501c3 status, what they say. Because if they're in that contract with the IRS and the government, then they've got to be very careful what they say because there's only certain things uh, they should be saying. And if the IRS finds out you're, you're talking about things you shouldn't be talking about, they can revoke your 501c3 status and make your life miserable. Well, that's what happens when you get in bed with the devil. You know, there's always a gigantic price to pay, and you'll always end up being muzzled. And who knows what's happening to you on a spiritual level if you have that type of status? You know, the Bible says you can't serve God and mammon. You can't bow the knee to Baal and to God. You've got to choose whom to stay who you're going to serve. And if the IRS and the federal government of America created your church or gave your church the right to exist as a corporate entity, then they're your head whether you want to believe that or acknowledge that or not. Go up to unregisteredbaptistfellowship.com and look at Dr. Greg Dixon's PowerPoint presentation. I believe it's near the bottom, unregisteredbaptistfellowship.com. Look at Dr. Greg Dixon's PowerPoint presentation near the end, and he lays it all out. He's also got a book you can buy, The Trail of Blood Revisited, I believe. Goes into it as well. Uh, If you doubt anything that I'm saying, because it's very, very flagrant regarding that issue as well. So, let's go further. Uh, publicly available CFR, meaning Council of Foreign Relations, and Club of room strategy manuals from 30 years ago, 30 years ago, say that a global government needs to control the world population through neo-feudalism by creating artificial scarcity. So, this is why we're saying, the Bible says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Okay? If you foresee this evil, not only are, are you would it be wise for you to potentially make provisions to hide yourself and your family, okay? but also to store up. The Bible talks about co- to consider the ant, you know, because he stores up in the time of harvest. Okay, And the ant is exceedingly wise, actually. I mean, I know we don't like to be bit by him, but I'm talking about from a wisdom standpoint, the ant is very wise. The Bible refers to them that way. That's what they do. So not only that, but I understand, yes, God can take care of you in a desert and he can send the ravens in to feed you. But if you know about the situation prior to that happening and you do nothing about it, and particularly if you're a man and have a family, and then the day overtakes you and you knew fully well it was coming, well, I believe God's going to hold you responsible for that. If you had the opportunity to do it. It would be one thing if you didn't have the opportunity God knows our hearts, but if we do, and we can, and we don't, well, then, you know, I don't, I don't believe that's a situation that we need to be putting ourselves in. Uh, this goes on to say, now that the social architects have de-industrialized the United States, they're going to blame our economic disintegration on a lack of energy supplies. So this is, what, this is what this whole thing, this whole Gulf of oil spill is all about. Now, here's a quote from Maurice Strong, who's the founder of the UN Environmental Program. During his opening speech at the Rio Earth Summit in 1992, he said, this guy's flagrant. I mean, he's flat out. He don't pull any punches, pretty much. He said, quote, Isn't the only hope for the planet that the industrialized civilizations collapse, he posed that as a question. Isn't that the only hope for the planet? Isn't it our responsibility to bring that about? That's what Maurice Strong said. What a sick, unbelievably twisted, warped statement that is. And it's right in line with what Maitreya teaches as well, because Maitreya and Benjamin Krem, they're just waiting. They're waiting in the wings for when humanity is so desperate they are really going to be looking for a savior. And that is exactly when Maitreya knows that humanity will be most receptive to him. That's what he's waiting for. Okay, so this is what we're dealing with um, with these types of statements. During an interview conducted in 1972, Strong talked about the concept of zero growth put forward by the Club of Rome in the late 1960s. which called for the control of population and economic growth. The Club of Rome is a neo-Malthusian organization with interlocking membership with a European banking elite such as the Committee of 300 and the Bilderberg Group. It's all tied together one big nasty rat's nest. You know, that's what you're looking at there. Federal authorities have shut down two offshore platforms and evacuated one of them near a massive oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico reported the Associated Press. They said also, the Coast Guard said Saturday that the shutdowns were a safety precaution. Well, now they'll probably end up shutting them all down, at least the ones that don't have these safety precautions in place. More offshore platforms will likely be shut down in days ahead. I mean, this whole thing stinks so bad, particularly knowing that 20 hours prior to the blowout, Halliburton was down there cementing the The oil rig thing in place, and then 20 hours later, it blows. Oh, come on! I mean, this is this is so flagrant already at this point, and who knows what else information is going to come out about this? Meanwhile, members of Congress are calling for expanded oil exploration plans to be dropped. Uh, This is a quote by Senator Bill Nelson. Oh man! Now, see, I, I live in Florida, and this guy, Bill Nelson. I don't know if you've seen any pictures of him. But I can hardly stand to even look at pictures of this man. He's so evil-looking. He's just flat evil-looking. I'm sorry. I mean, some people, they can't hide it. Some people, it's like the countenance of... They just cannot hide it. And this guy, Bill Nelson, is one of them, I believe. And uh, it says, meanwhile, members of Congress are... um, Oh, I'm sorry. The quote from Bill Nelson, he says, I've said to the White House, quote, Don't you dare think about your five-year plans for offshore oil leases. We're just not going to let you. That's what... Built. Now, again, this is all contrived, as far as I'm concerned, this whole thing. Hopefully, we've already stated and made a case for that already. But, you know, we create this controlled crisis, and then we have both sides of the issue, and then as the crisis worsens, it's very much easier to come over to one side of thinking, because, hey, it's this, this unbelievable disaster, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go far beyond Exxon Valdez, and um, We're going to have, who knows what happens as a result of this, and we're totally powerless to be able to cap these these wells. I mean, we just can't figure it out, you know. Nelson said the state's multi-billion dollar tourist industry and fisheries shouldn't be impaired for the oil's sake. He said the spill may ultimately serve as a lesson that the country needs to develop cleaner energy sources, reports the Florida Times-Union. As if on cue, the Soros Foundation, of, called Move On, has called on its members to telephone the White House and demand that Obama reinstate the ban on offshore oil drilling. Quote, the Move On, and I know they just said Charlie Crist, uh, our governor, he said he's totally changed now on his, um, uh, he, they were going to institute offshore oil drilling now. That's totally gone. So... Again, we're already seeing a lot of the things that I believe they wanted to implement being set into position. And, you know, as much as you can get off the dependence of oil, I would try to advise you to do that. And there's different ways that that can be done. Um, And, you know, you're just going to have to seek those things out. I don't have a one-stop resource shop for for that. But um, just... You know, the oil is, is going to be one of the main ways they try to control us in the future. And so let's go further here. Um, <clears throat> the Move On campaign is just one of a series of pleas from lawmakers and environmental groups for the administration to reverse its policy in the wake of the explosion and the spill, reports the Washington Post. The explosion and the massive oil spill will be used to make sure artificial oil scarcity continues. The ultimate goal is not clean energy or the so called energy independence, but delivering the once great United States into the maw of the bankers who are determined to consolidate power and convert the oil into a sprawling high tech prison planet prison planet. So again, you have to look at what's the greater goal here, and this is what the greater goal is. <clears throat> okay, then the next article is entitled Vatican Tide Mount Graham Observatory launches Lucifer Telescope. <clears throat> and this is from Raiders News Network. The new instrument for the world's largest optical telescope, the Large Binocular Telescope on Mount Graham in Arizona, allows astronomers to observe the faintest and most distant objects in the universe. After more than a decade of design, manufacturing, and testing, the new instrument, dubbed Lucifer 1, provides a powerful tool to gain spectacular insights into the universe from the Milky Way to the extremely distant galaxies. Lucifer, built by a consortium of German institutes, will be followed by an identical twin instrument that is delivered, that will be delivered to the telescope in early 2011. What exactly does the letter Lucifer stand for? Now remember, the Vatican's tied into this as well. And what is this? Oh, we're looking into space. The Vatican's been feigning very, very much in very many uh, news stories that I've reported to you about talking about our potential space brethren and how they really wouldn't have to uh, they really wouldn't have the whole thing of original sin tied to them and they would be excluded from that and that we you know they're very much posturing toward that and they have been posturing toward that for quite a while. They're actually tied to this telescope and it's dubbed Lucifer. Well who is essentially the head of the Catholic Church, Satan, really? And it's no wonder that this, te- that this telescope choose this, you know, abbreviation for its name. LUCIFER is an acronym for large... Um, it's Large Binocular Telescope Near Infrared and then UTILITY is the U and with CAMERA is the C and INTEGRAL, which is the I FIELD, which is the F UNIT Four, extragalactic is the E, and research is the R. That's how we get the Lord's Lucifer. Now, I will, again, be posting this document with the teaching. Uh, the Illuminati has always dreamed of finding other planets and galaxies somewhere which could support human life. Space activity has always secretly been sought, uh, secretly sought after such a discovery. Why? Because they're trying desperately anything they can do to disprove the Bible. And if they can prove, oh, there's all these other races and things like this, then it starts to totally muddy the waters of the Bible. They believe, okay, this is what they're going to be. This is one of the big lies, that, one of the main deceptions that's coming. Uh, in New Age literature, this discovery of life on other planets is also known as the star seed. NASA has always been controlled by Freemasons so that the silent objective is always to find new planets which support. Which could support human life. But I find it highly significant that at this very moment in world history, scientists would dub their new cutting edge telescope as Mm -hmm. Lucifer. Now, I've got a uh, link to another one of my teachings entitled uh, Vatican Easing Humanity Toward Alien Disclosure. And you can click on that, and these will all be available in the. uh... And if you want to get on my email list that I send these out to, just email Dr. D R J O H N S O N. Dr. Johnson at the letter I, the letter X, dot net, com, N-E-T-C-O-M, dot com. And let me know what list you want to be on, Christian-oriented or uh, the health newsletter list. I would highly advise you get on both because they're both very important in today's day and age. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and end part one there. We'll go to part two next.